Hi, I'm John Schmidt. I'm the senior pastor here at Centerpoint Fellowship Church. And as you can see from that little video in the front of your bulletin, we're in the middle of a series entitled, Jesus, Who Is He? If you've ever been asked by a friend, well, who exactly is Jesus to you? You might have stammered a little bit with an answer. If you've ever wondered, well, how would I answer the question if I met a person from another country who didn't know a thing about Christ? How would I tell them about Jesus? Well, this series is designed for all of us to be able to answer that question better. Today, we're going to look at Luke's gospel and learn that Jesus is someone who seeks and saves lost people. Inside your bulletin, you'll find an outline that I'm going to be following, and that's its title. That's the title of my message today. And so if you'll take that outline, and if you need a pen to fill in the blanks, just raise your hand. One of our ushers will be coming up and down the aisle, and they'll be glad to bring one to you. Um, But today, we're going to talk about this, the wonderful truth that Jesus is someone who seeks and saves lost people. I'd like to have a word of prayer for us before we begin. Would you join me, please? Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be here today and to open up Luke's gospel and learn a little bit more about Jesus. Father, I thank you that Jesus seeks and saves lost people, that he forgives sinners like me. And Father, I pray that today you'll speak and you'll move me out of the way and teach us some things we need to know about the heart of God, especially his heart toward people who are far away from him. So Lord, please speak to us and draw us closer to you. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. Well, at the top of your outline, I have a couple of scripture references. The first is from Luke chapter 19, verse 10, where Jesus himself said this, The Son of Man, that's who Jesus Jesus is referring to himself by that title, For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. You may have seen a war movie where a battleship is sent into some sort of military conflict on a seek and destroy mission. Well, Jesus didn't come to seek and destroy anything. He came to seek and to save lost people like you and me. In John 3, verse 17, again, Jesus speaking, he says, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And that's a good understanding, and we need to all grasp that. In fact, in Luke's gospel, when he set out to write an orderly account of Jesus' life, he spent a whole chapter unpacking this incredible truth that Jesus came to seek and to save lost people. If you have a Bible with you, you can open up to Luke chapter 15, and, but I'm going to be in your outline. You'll see pretty much the whole chapter broken down into small little bite-sized chunks where Jesus told three stories that unpack this truth. The first story is about a lost sheep, and it tells us that Jesus seeks and saves lost people who foolishly wander away. Who foolishly wander away. Here's what Jesus said. Now, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go search for the one who's lost until he finds it? And when he's found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he'll call together his friends and his neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, because I've found my lost sheep. Well, in the same way, there's more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. There's a a couple of notes in your outline. The first is that we are like the lost sheep in that story. Isaiah 53, and the prophet Isaiah said this 600 years before Jesus was born, all of us like sheep have strayed away. We've left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. We're like sheep. We wander away. Sheep, by the way, aren't very intelligent. They will graze on one clump of grass, and then they'll graze on another one. And little by little, they'll wander off way over the hill, uh, right up to the edge of a cliff without even realizing it. They're not bright. Sheep are easily distracted and easily startled. A lightning bolt will send them into a panic. 
There was even the story in Istanbul, Turkey, in July of 2005, where 1,500 sheep mysteriously plunged to their deaths over the edge of a cliff. One sheep started it, all the other sheep followed. Of the 1,500 sheep, 450 of them died. If you're wondering why more of them didn't die, there was such a big pile of woolly dead sheep at the bottom that the rest of them kind of landed on them like a mattress, and they didn't die. But uh, they should have, because they were stupid. And uh, when the Bible speaks about us like lost sheep, it speaks about us like that. We go from distraction to distraction, just looking around, not paying attention where we are, and all of a sudden we're in a terrible mess. Or we follow somebody right to our peril, doing the most foolish thing we could ever do, because we just wanted to be part of the crowd. And the Bible says we're like lost sheep. And each of us has gone and done things we should never have done, but the Lord laid all the punishment that was due us on His own Son. It's the next note in your outline, that Jesus is our Good Shepherd. Jesus Himself said, I am the Good Shepherd, and the Good Shepherd sacrifices His life for His sheep. Notice it doesn't say, I'm willing to risk my life for the sheep. It said, I've sacrificed my life for the sheep. And so Jesus is a Good Shepherd to all of us. He doesn't just say, hey, I might be willing to die for you. He said, I will die for you. And He honored His Word. He died on the cross for my sins and for, your, for yours, when we foolishly wandered away into things we never should have done. And so he asks us to trust him and to follow him. In fact, he's come after us to rescue us when we have foolishly wandered away. And that brings us to our first life application of the day. If you and I have foolishly wandered away from God, then we need to return to him. I mean, today would be a good time for that. We need to return. Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Look, I'm no shepherd, and I don't have a bunch of sheep at home, but I do have a big old golden retriever named Eli. And when Eli was a puppy, it was his favorite thing in the world to get out and run. I remember that uh, we'd be sitting down for dinner and then all of a sudden we look in the backyard where is the dog and somebody realized that we left the gate open and the dog sensed jailbreak and so he was gone and we'd scatter out through the neighborhood Eli Eli we're all calling him and finally we'd find him blocks away to treat a squirrel somewhere and he'd come up and go what's the problem well the problem was he had run across all sorts of intersections he had no sense of danger at all who knows how close he came uh, to being hit by a car or being picked up by somebody who would carry him off somewhere and we'd never find him again. All he knew is that he'd treat a squirrel. It's like, okay. And he'd get in the car and we'd bring him home. But home was where we wanted him to be. And we didn't just let him go wander off. We looked for him, even though he had foolishly wandered away. Some of you here this morning need to hear this truth today, that even though you foolishly wandered away from the Lord, and you have pierced yourself with a lot of griefs, even though now you're carrying heavy burdens, the Lord says, look, I'm looking for you, and I'll help you today. So if you've gotten yourself into a mess, and you, just because you chose poorly with your friends, and you foolishly wandered into some situations you never should have been in, remember, the Lord wants to help you. He'll help you today. Just return to Him. His yoke is easy, and His burden is light. He'll give you rest for your soul. So Jesus cares for lost people. Even if we foolishly wander away, Right off the edge of a cliff. He'll come looking for us. And he'll rescue us if we return to him. 
The second point on your outline uh, goes a little further into Luke 15, where Jesus says not only does he care for people who foolishly wander away, but Jesus seeks and saves lost people who fall through the cracks. They just fall through the cracks. We have people like that in our society today. They grew up in a tough home. They've dealt with all sorts of illness or injury. Bad luck seems to follow them. Uh, One problem after another. And there are many people in our society that say, does anybody care for me? Does anybody even know what's happening to me? Well, I want to assure you today that God does, and he's never forgotten about you at all. Jesus said so. Here's how he described God's love toward us. Or suppose there's a woman who has ten silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and then search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she'll call in her friends and her neighbors and say, Rejoice with me because I found my lost coin. Well, in the same way, there's joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. Uh, The ten coins don't mean a lot to us, but in biblical times, Palestinian women received ten silver coins from their uh, parents as a wedding gift. And so these were coins that may have been passed down to their mothers or their grandmothers. And so these were not just ten silver coins, these were heirlooms. And you could compare it to receiving a, a ring or a diamond. And if a woman loses her wedding ring somewhere in the house, she won't go, oh, well, we'll just get another one. I'll just make my husband get me another one. Although some might be tempted to do that. Um, they're not going to do that. They're going to tear the whole place apart. Uh, I know a couple, uh, uh, two years ago, the woman was washing dishes and the diamond fell out of her ring. And she realized it after she had drained the sink. And they called a plumber and they uh, tore the plumbing out, went all the way down uh, into uh, the plumbing outside the house. And they found the diamond before it had gone too far down the drain pipe. Created a big mess, tore everything apart. Uh, But both of them agreed it was worth it. Because that ring meant a lot to her. And Jesus said, that's how much you mean to me. It's like a woman tearing the whole house apart. I mean, a coin can fall through the cracks, can fall behind the sofa, could fall somewhere you didn't want it to go. But that doesn't mean that the woman who owned the coins had forgotten about it. And if you feel like you've fallen through the cracks and nobody knows where you are, remember, God does. And today, you may need to be reminded of this, that God hasn't forgotten you. Listen to God's heart. This is from the Old Testament where uh, Jesus is speaking to the people of Israel. The capital city was Jerusalem. It's a life application. We need to remember that God is actively searching for us. Isaiah 49, Jerusalem says, The Lord has deserted us. The Lord has forgotten us. Never, the Lord says, can a mother forget her nursing child? Can she feel no love for the child she has born? But even if that were possible, I would not forget you. If you've ever felt like you've just fallen through the cracks and nobody knows where you are, God's forgotten about you, life is hard, remember what Jesus said here, that God is searching for you. And He'll keep searching for you until He finds you. If you've been through a lot of hard things in your life, come to Jesus today. He'll help you. He'll give you a new start because He loves you. Well, if you flip your outline over, you'll see that there's yet a third story in this chapter where Jesus unpacks a little bit more about God's love and his, Jesus' mission to seek and save lost people. Jesus came to seek and save lost people who foolishly wander away like a stupid sheep. To seek and save people who've fallen through the cracks, even though everybody else in society might have forgotten about him, he hasn't. And thirdly, Jesus seeks and saves lost people who have selfishly rebelled against God. They selfishly rebelled against him. It's the story of the lost son. 
There was a man who had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now, before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. And a few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings, moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. Now about the time that his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When finally he came to his senses, he said to himself, At home even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I'll go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. And his son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet, and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast, for the son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. And so the party began. Now to help this story make a little bit more sense to us, we need to understand a couple of things. First of all, when a man had two sons, the older son, the son who had stayed with the father, received two-thirds of the inheritance, twice as much as the younger son. But this younger son took his third, and it was very customary when the man died, the estate was divided between the older and the younger, and two-thirds went to the older, and the younger could do whatever he wanted with his third. This was written at a time uh, when a kosher diet wasn't just something available at a deli somewhere. Kosher diet is the way the people of Israel lived. And pigs were unclean. You didn't hang around pigs. You didn't eat pigs. And you certainly would never eat the food that was fed to pigs. And that would be horrible and horrifying. I mean, people just wouldn't do it. It'd be like you or I eating raw sewage right out of the sewer. I mean, we would never do it. We'd have to be on the edge of starvation to even contemplate such a thing. Yet this is where the son was. He was so hungry. And then he said to himself, what am I doing? Here I'm sitting there willing to defile myself eating pig slop. And the servants at my father's home eat much better than this. I'm just going to go home and be a servant. And so he practiced his speech. Father, I don't deserve to be called your son. Just take me back. I'll, I'll work for you. I'll do anything. Just, just please forgive me. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and ran to meet him. Which shows that as Jesus is illustrating God's love for us, that God is waiting for us. And that's the note in your outline, that God is patiently waiting for us. He patiently waits for us to come to our senses and turn from our sins. Peter, when he wrote about this, he said, The Lord is being patient for your sake. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed, but He wants everyone to repent. Peter was writing to people who were saying, Well, where's Jesus? He said He's coming back one day. When's He coming home? When's He coming back to take us all home? And Peter said, Well, don't think He's delaying or that he's forgotten anything he's being patient for your sake he wants to give time for more people to repent the lord is patiently waiting for some of us to repent right now today and if you're here this morning and you can't believe you're here and we're talking about god's forgiveness and you think i've done too much i've gone too far he'll never welcome me home then understand this story god is patiently waiting for you and has been just like that father was waiting for his son to come back from all this filthy living if you take a step toward him he'll run to meet you 
But it's important that you come to Him today. And that's the life application from this story. It's time for some of us to come to our senses today. The sad truth is that we're dealing with an addiction or we're dealing with a destructive lifestyle. Many of us have to hit rock bottom before we're willing to look up. And if you've hit rock bottom, it's time to look up and to call out to God and say, God, I want to come home. For God says, at just the right time I heard you, and on the day of salvation I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. And if you've been putting this off, today would be the day that you need to repent. Hear God's good news to you. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, God wants to forgive you and restore you. That's the point of this story. Your part in it is to turn around and come home. Come to your senses today. Get out of the addiction. Get out of the destructive relationships. Put your sin away and come to Him right now. And that's what God would have you hear this morning from Him. Now there's one more point in the story of the lost son. If you remember, the wealthy landowner had two sons. It was the younger one with a third of the state. He's the one who took off and ran with the money. The other son, who inherited the other two-thirds, stayed with the dad. And he came in from the fields after the younger son had returned, and there's a party going on, and he wasn't happy about it. The older, this is from Luke 15, starting with verse 28. The older brother was angry, and he wouldn't go in to his dad's house where the party was going on. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time you never even gave me one young goat for me to feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. And his father said to him, Dear son, you've always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day. For your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he's found. And that's the last life application this morning. You and I should rejoice when lost sinners repent. Not be angry about it. See, that older brother, he was so bitter against, about what his brother had done, he completely forgot that this fellow was his brother. And the father showed incredible love and mercy And the older brother just showed showed bitterness and anger and judgment. I want you to realize that whether you're talking about the story of the lost sheep or the lost coin or the lost son, there's great celebration in each one of those stories. When the lost sheep was found and the farmer carries him back on his shoulders, he calls all his neighbors and they rejoice about finding the lost sheep. Jesus said, that's the way it is in heaven. The angels rejoice. When the woman finds her coin, she calls all her friends and they come over and celebrate with her. And Jesus says, that's the way it is in heaven. When the son returned, his father went out to meet him and threw a big party. And Jesus says, that's the way it is in heaven. And the only people who are upset about it are the people who have forgotten that they're not far, that far away from needing God's grace and forgiveness themselves. I mean, that's sad to tell you, but the older son can represent some of, those, some of us We've been Christians for a while. And we've forgotten how much God forgave us and our need for forgiveness. And now we become judgmental toward those who haven't repented yet. In fact, we can get to the place where we're bitter and we hope that God keeps them out and just takes us home. And what a terrible thing that would be. So we should rejoice when lost sinners repent. In Ezekiel thirty-three eleven, the Lord says, As surely as I live... 
I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, uh, in the death of wicked people. I only want them to turn from their wicked ways so they can live. God is not after judging people. If you've ever heard that God is an angry God just looking to strike people down, just circle this passage. It tells you God's heart. He just wants people to repent. You must be compassionate just as your Father is compassionate, Jesus said in Luke 6. Do not judge others and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others or all of it will come back against you. Forgive others and you'll be forgiven. And that's the attitude God wants us to have. It would be a terrible thing for those of us who've been in church for a while to forget the fact that one, there was a time not that long ago in our lives when we came home and said, Lord, forgive me. But now we can begin to judge others who didn't see the light at the same time we did. And some of you have heard me confess before, but I need to say it again. It a few years ago, I was having dinner with a friend of mine who's also in ministry, and we were eating at a place where there were some TVs on the wall, and mounted on the wall, and on one of the screens there was a um, Hollywood actress who lives a notoriously sinful lifestyle, and she was up there talking about something, and the sound was muted, so I don't know what she was speaking about. But I looked at the screen, and I said, oh my goodness, I wonder what she's into now. And this friend of mine said, yeah, I know. I've been praying for her salvation every day. How about you? I said, yeah, just, just was thinking about that. No, that would be a lie. It had never occurred to me once to pray for her. You know, in my mind, she represented all the things that are wrong with our society. And, and I would love it if she had no more success in her career at all and wouldn't have to look at her on the screens anymore. I'd just assume she'd be out of the limelight and be out of my life. And I completely forgot about the heart of God. And this friend of mine said, well, you know, Jesus died on the cross for her too. Not just you. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Paul wrote in Ephesians 4.32, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Did you know that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins? We've said that a couple of times today, that if you come to him, he'll be glad to welcome you home. But then don't shut the door behind you and keep others out. He didn't die on the cross just for your sins. He died on the cross for the sins of the whole world. And when we come to Him, He wants all of us to come. Our goal shouldn't be just to pray for ourselves and maybe our kids and maybe a few people in our neighborhood. We should even be praying for the people that we don't like and the people who we perceive to be the farthest away from God because they have a great need. And Jesus died for them too. So this morning, I'd remind you, Jesus came to seek and save lost people. He's on a seek and save mission, not a seek and destroy anything. He's come to save and bring people back home to Him who foolishly wandered off and gotten themselves into all kinds of trouble. He came to seek and save people who fell through the cracks and everybody else has forgotten about. And He even came to save selfish, rebellious people who shook their fists at God and said, I don't care, I'm living my own way anyway. So no matter where you find yourself in that, there's a word of hope for you today. And Jesus wants you to come home. Now for the rest of us, He's asking us to join Him in this mission. And not to, sh- not to shut the door of heaven in anybody's face. Would you pray with me please? Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning and to look at your word. I thank you that Luke faithfully recorded these stories which Jesus told that illustrate his great love for us. 
I pray, Lord, that somebody here this morning who has foolishly wandered into a lifestyle of sin or has foolishly surrounded themselves with friends who led them into all kind of trouble would repent and come home. I pray, Lord, that if somebody's here and they've gone through their life feeling like they've fallen through the cracks and nobody loves them, not even God, that you will have reminded them this morning that God knows their name. And He calls them by name. And He loves them as His child. And Father, I pray also that if there's somebody here who's rebelled against God and stubbornly said, I don't care, I'm living my own way. They may have even said to themselves, God will never forgive me. He can forgive others, but He can't forgive me. Lord, I pray that You will have reminded them this morning that God forgives us all, no matter who we are, no matter what we've done, and that we'll come home to Him. Oh, Father, and finally, I just want to pray for those of us who've been Christians for a while. I pray that we won't look down our noses at anybody. I pray that You'll remind us of the fact that You saved us because we're sinners too. And we wouldn't spend our lives judging others and wishing they'd just go away. I thank You, Lord, that You died on the cross for sinners like me. I thank You, Lord, that You died for people in other parts of the world who don't have any access to churches like we have. And I pray that you'll help us reach out to them in any way possible. I thank you, Lord, that you're being patient, not willing any to perish. And you've given us at least one more day where we can proclaim your great love and remind people that Jesus came to seek and save lost people. So, Father, the last thing I'll pray about this morning is this. I pray, Lord, that you would show us one person that we can reach out to today. We can do something kind for them. We can encourage them. Lord, I pray that you'll put someone in our hearts that we can pray for right now that they might come to know you and that we could be a part of that process. In just a moment of silence, would you pray for just one person this morning? One person that God might have put on your mind right now. Somebody who may be far away from God, just living in open rebellion, or somebody who's foolishly wandered away and gotten lost. Well, Father, we pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. In the strong name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, the one who came to seek and save lost people. Amen.